the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. And the author here is communicating to us, as he's done previously in this gospel, that Jesus acts on his own initiative, that is, the instructions that he gets from his Father and operates on his Father's instructions and his Father's timetable, not ours. Pastor Layton Sheely is back in the book of John today and the 11th chapter, the story of Lazarus and his death and the call of his family and friends to Jesus to come to Lazarus. But what does Jesus do? Well, he waits a couple of days and then leaves. And Pastor Layton picks up the narrative from there. Uh, we have to understand that the way they measured the day and the way we measure the day are two different things. When we measure the day, we think in terms of seconds, or if you're in uh, high tech, nanoseconds. And there are like 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day. And all of those seconds are pretty much the same duration. And so when we get to the seasons, for instance, there are longer days and shorter days, right? So during the summer, you might have a day that lasts 14 or 15 hours. And during the winter, you might get a day that lasts only 9 or 10 hours. Well, that is made possible because of watches and clocks and things like that. But when all you've got is a sundial, how do you divide up the day? And that's what they did. They divided the day into 12 what they called hours. And the hours were longer on the longer days and they were shorter on the shorter days. So Jesus was talking about that uh, a person needs to finish their work in 12 hours. Uh, they need to finish their work in the course of the day. They need to finish the course when the sun is still shining. You remember back then they didn't have electrical grids. They didn't have flashlights and light bulbs and, you know, uh, headlights for the cars and the tractors and things like that. It was basically when the sun came up, you went to work. When the sun went down, the work was done. You couldn't do anymore until the sun came up again. And, uh, and then, of course, below that surface meaning is... Uh, another meaning, which is the phrase, the light of the world. How, who can hear that phrase without referring it to Jesus? And so the 12 hours symbolizes the duration of the Lord's earthly ministry that is allotted by God the Father. And as no one can lengthen a day or shorten a day, so likewise... They need not fear as long as they are walking in the day because God has set the parameters of the day. Someday, at some point, at the appointed time, at the appointed hour, then Jesus' day will turn into night when he stumbles from life into death. Now, when I was doing my research here, I, I was reminded of an old story that I heard somewhere a long time ago, and so I, I looked it up, and, and it's an allegory. And it goes like this. There was a merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant to market to buy provisions, and 
in a little while, the servant came back. He was white, and he was trembling. And he said, Master, just now when I was in the marketplace, I was jostled by a woman in the crowd. And when I turned, I, I saw it was death that jostled me. And she looked at me, and she made a threatening gesture. Now, please, Master, lend me your horse, and I will ride away from the city and avoid my fate. I, I will go to Samara. That's about 75 miles distant from Baghdad. And there death will not find me. And so the merchant led his servant, the horse, and the, mer- the servant mounted and dug his spurs into the flanks, and the horse flew as fast as it could fly. And then the merchant went down to the marketplace. He saw death standing in the crowd, and he walked up to death and said, Why did you make a threatening gesture to my servant when you saw him this morning? And death responded, It wasn't a threatening gesture. It was an expression of surprise. You see, I was uh, surprised to see him here in Baghdad because... I have an appointment with him tonight in Samara. The guy thought he was fleeing from or avoiding death, and actually he was headed straight into his appointment with death. And that allegory reflects a truth that is found in Scripture. And the truth is this. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. It is appointed. Every one of us has an appointment with death. And that appointment isn't set by us. It's not set by our enemies. It's not set by some accident or what we perceive as an accident. It's set by God. And it's an appointment we're not going to be early for. We're not going to be late for. And we're not going to be able to run away from or avoid. And so what Jesus was saying here, in effect is I have an appointment with death that is set by God the Father, and this is not the hour. So we are perfectly safe. We can walk right up to the gates of Jerusalem into the faces of our enemies, and they can't do a thing because it's not my hour. It's not my time. And he let this kind of saturate, let the disciples think about this for a while. And after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I might awaken him out of sleep. Now, the word sleep not only means what we generally understand it means, somebody taking rest at the end of the day or in the middle of the day, but it also has another meaning, and that is death in Scriptures. For instance, When Jesus spoke of Jairus' daughter, whom he raised from the dead, he said she was sleeping. And when Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 7, the scriptures describe him as going to sleep. And Paul speaks about those who sleep in Jesus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the witnesses of the resurrection who are now asleep in 1 Corinthians 15. So sleep is used in the scriptures as a euphemism for death. And particularly for believers, even Old Testament believers. Oftentimes when you're reading through the Old Testament, the stories of the great old saints, their life will finish with this phrase, they went and they slept with their fathers. What that was talking about is they died. So death for the believer is the body going to sleep. Are you afraid of sleep? Shouldn't be. 
I mean, sleep is getting rest from the day of labor. It's finishing the day of labor. It's getting rest and restoring and looking forward to the day that is to come. And for the body to be put to sleep means that it's going to be awakened someday by the Lord. And he's the only one who has the alarm clock. And he's the only one who can raise us from the dead. And one day he's going to come and he's going to awaken our bodies from the sleep of death. Now, there are a few things that illustrate more graphically the impact that Jesus had on people globally than this. Before Jesus' death and resurrection, there was a universal fear of death. Death was every person's enemy. And it was an enemy you couldn't fight, you couldn't resist, you couldn't run from, you couldn't hide from, you couldn't avoid. And everybody was afraid of death. But after Jesus' death and resurrection... People who believed in Jesus weren't afraid to die. They would gladly give their lives to bring honor and glory to God, to bear witness to their testimony. Some fed to lions, others lit on on fire as torches. Terrible, horrible. They were not afraid of death because Jesus had overcome death, not by avoiding it, but by going through it. And he promised those of us who follow him will also go through it and it won't be able to keep us any more than it was able to keep him. For believers, death is now nothing more than sleep. And yes, when when a beloved person passes away, we mourn. But the mourning is not like the mourning that happens to people who have no faith. Because we know that someday we're going to be with our loved ones again. For all eternity. Jesus said, Lazarus is asleep. Well, the disciples think, well, why don't you just let him rest? You know, rest is a really good medicine, Lord. You know, if he gets enough rest, maybe he'll just, you know, everything will work out. And then Jesus ended their confusion. He said, Lazarus is dead. There's an indication here of Jesus' omniscience because it doesn't indicate that there was any additional message from Bethany that told Jesus that the illness had resulted in death. And he says, Jesus says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Now, it doesn't mean that he was rejoicing that Lazarus died. But his point here was that because Lazarus died and because he was going to go and resurrect him from the dead, that action was going to do more than simply healing Lazarus from some sickness in terms of encouraging and strengthening the disciples' faith that they were desperately going to need for what lied ahead, what lies ahead in Passion Week. Now, it's interesting because Jesus here uses the aorist tense that would normally suggest the beginning of faith, but... That doesn't make sense to some of us because the disciples already have some degree of faith. They're there with Jesus, right? So why would Jesus use an aorist tense to suggest that there was a new faith? Well, it's because whatever layer of faith that we might be at, whatever level of faith we might be at, there's always a deeper or higher level. 
And sometimes we go through life's difficult times so that through those difficult times, the glory of the Lord can be revealed to us, sometimes in us and sometimes through us, so that our faith grows and it becomes a new faith. It's not like the old faith. It's better. It's stronger. Faith is progressive. And we should be alert to that because... Some of us might have become complacent and said, I like my faith just where it is. I don't want to grow anymore. But there's so many more levels of faith that we can experience. Someone has said, reach up as far as you can on your own faith and then let God do the rest. There's so much more, as Pastor Layton just said. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. Our teacher is Pastor Layton Sheely. You can find out more about Pastor Layton and the church and the ministries and the service times on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You can also give them a call. I know for some it's easier to call. The number is 650-873-873. Four zero nine five. We'll pick up right where we're leaving off today on tomorrow's edition of our broadcast. Thank you for being a part of our team, and come back tomorrow when we'll open the Word of God and study once again, verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.